be in your house and to be with your people. There is nothing quite like the fellowship of God and his people. It is a joy to, um, to gather together, to sing your praises, to, to learn from your word. And Lord, we ask for your blessing upon our time right now. We know that we cannot in and of ourselves comprehend spiritual truth apart from your spirit. And so we ask that you would teach us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us. And I pray for your enablement, Lord, as I open up the word, that you would grant me wisdom through these passages and verses to say exactly what you want me to say and how it should be said. Lord, may I preach with a passion and a love, with a gentleness and yet with a strength. And may you change lives. For any who may be here today who do not know you as their savior, we ask that they would come to faith. Uh, for others, Lord, that have come in here struggling in their walk, I pray that you would encourage them. And Father, just meet with us. Meet with us today and bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we had a great time on vacation as a family. Uh, it was only the second time in 20 years that I've had three Sundays off in a row. And I got to tell you, I really liked it. <laughs> uh, we, we packed up the minivan and we headed east and we spent a couple uh, days in Boston walking the Freedom Trail, doing some historical things. And then we made our way up to Maine, uh, where my uncle has a home in Maine and uh, enjoyed fresh lobster uh, right off the dock and walked, uh, hiked Acadia National Park. And we worked our way south to the Jersey Shore where I grew up and Spent time with my dad and my brother and his family and my sister and her family. It was just, for the most part, that last week just relaxed on the beach. So it was very, very nice. Did something totally different this year I've never done before, though. I took the boy sharking. We went shark fishing one day. And uh, my dad has a friend who has a boat, and so we, we headed out into the Atlantic Ocean, and we kept going and kept going and kept going. And uh, what you do when you shark fish is uh, you start out with chum. So we stop the boat, and you take, uh, you take, you lure them in with frozen, frozen blocks of fish guts. And uh, here, here's a picture. Doesn't that look beautiful? It looks, yeah, it smells as bad as it looks, just to let you know. And it falls out in the water and in a bag, and they just come in. And you set your lines with bait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. But on our way out, the ocean was a little rougher than we thought. And uh, a lot of up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and kept going up and down. And I looked over at a couple of my boys, and they were looking a little green around the gills. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, before I knew it, two of my three sons were chumming off the sides of the boat. Uh, one of them was losing his lunch off the starboard side. The other one was losing it off the port side. And it was a rough, rough day. And you may say, well, what did you catch? Seasickness. That's what we caught. <laughs> Just telling you. Uh, we did have, we did have some, uh, some online, though. Grayson had a good-sized shark online, and he's reeling it in, fighting with this thing. Boom, busted the line. Three, four, five, six times. Snap. Snap, snap. Probably a good thing we didn't bring those boogers in. Four hours of shark fishing. Zero sharks. Not a one. But by far the biggest one that got away was the man who took us. For while we were fishing for sharks, I failed to fish for men. I'm out in the ocean. He's on a boat with me. He can't get away. <laughs> I got four hours to talk to this guy about Christ. 
Maybe it was the excitement of the shark fishing. Maybe it was time with my boys, concern for them. Maybe just knowing he's my dad's friend and my dad will talk to him. You know, it doesn't matter. I had the opportunity to proclaim the goodness and grace and gospel of God, and I missed it. And I let that guy get away. You know, too often as God's children, we miss our opportunities. We have that time we can talk to them. We have that opportunity to start a conversation. We can share the gospel with them and and work it in. And we let them get away. And we forget. And we we just fail to proclaim the goodness and the grace and the gospel of our God. And, And I need to remember. I need to be reminded that I need to talk to people. And you need to be reminded that you need to proclaim the goodness and grace and the gospel of our God. And that's what we're going to see together this morning in the book of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Peter. We always open our Bibles in this church. The Bible is our textbook. It is the word of the living God. And and that is the foundation of what we believe. So I encourage you to bring your Bibles. I encourage you to take notes. Uh, We have that on the back as well. If for any time you come in and you've forgotten your Bible, we have them available on the back table still for you. Peter is writing to a church that is really going through the ringer. It's a, it's a time of turbulence. They're being persecuted. Uh, they're being hated by the culture which, in which they live. And, and Peter directs our hearts to the importance of proclamation even in the midst of hostile territory. Even when you're surrounded by a culture that is anti-Christ and anti-Christian and hates believers in Jesus Christ, he says, you know what? You still need to share with people more so than ever. And he's already reminded us who we are. Three weeks ago we saw this. Now he reminds us what we should do based on who we are. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and verse 10 is where we'll be. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Here it is. So that, here's the reason why, you may proclaim, speak up and speak out. Speak up and speak out. Proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And don't you forget it. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's going to challenge us and speak to us and tell us, you've got to speak up and you've got to speak out. Why? Because you have a platform of privilege. Say it with me. You have a platform of privilege. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. Don't you ever forget who you are. Don't you ever forget. Never be ashamed of who you are. Don't ever back away from who you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You are the people of God. He's saying, you know what? You speak from a position of power when you speak. You speak from a position of authority. When you share the gospel, the good news, the grace of Almighty God, you speak from a position of eternal privilege. Don't you ever cower in fear away from that. Because of God's call on your life, you have a platform to speak. Use the platform that God has given you. You don't need special permission. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry about what anybody is going to say or what they're going to think. 
I want you to understand, because of the privilege of salvation, we have a responsibility of proclamation. Because of the privilege of salvation, we have a responsibility of proclamation. God did not save you so that you could keep it to yourself. But some of you, that's how you live. He has saved you. He has changed you. And you think it's all about you. God is saying, I want to use you to reach others. You are his trophy of grace, is what you are. See, trophies are to be displayed publicly for for everybody to see and everybody to know their story. The problem is we have a lot of trophies sitting in boxes. We have trophies that are packed away in dusty attics and musty basements. And God is saying, get out of the box, trophy. I've saved you. I want to put you on display. I want you to shine up. I want to get the dust off of you. Let people know what I've done in your life. Let people know how I've saved you and how I've changed you. Come out of spiritual storage, Christian. Polish up the trophy. Shine for the world to see. He saved you to reveal himself to others through you. Get out of the box. It's time to get polished up. It's time to let people know what God has done in your life. It's time to let people know how good God has been. It's time to speak up and speak out. He says proclaim. It means to publish. It means to advertise. It means to make widely known. That's what it means. In other words, every blood-bought child of God is a living advertisement to this fallen, sinful, depraved, wicked world. So in need of Christ. You are, you're the trophy of grace. You're the advertisement. You're the one that is supposed to be saying, there's help for you, there's hope for you, there's love that's available, there's life that's available, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace through God. Speak up and speak out. I want you to understand, it's more than simply inviting someone to church. Yes, invite people to church. Yes. And the jamboree's coming up. You ready for the jamboree? It's been a couple years. We're going to have a great time. Yes, invite friends and neighbors and co-workers and relatives all week long. Bring them out to church. What a great opportunity to let people see Christians can have fun but be serious about their faith. Yes, invite them. But yes, talk to them. Tell them about how good God is. Tell them that he can save them and change them and forgive them faithfully pray for people's salvation yes pray but open up your mouth and talk to people don't let that fish get away don't let them get away share the gospel speak up and speak out because you have a platform of privilege secondly speak up and speak out because god is nothing short of awesome man do we have a great god He is incredible. He is wonderful. He is excellent in every facet, in every way. Proclaim the excellencies of him. That's what we're told to do. By the way, his excellencies. Not my excellencies. Not your excellencies. We're we're so good at bragging on ourselves, aren't we? Academic accomplishments, grades, degrees, schools. Physical achievements, wins, records, championships, races. Financial windfalls, money made, deals closed, inheritance gained, newest technolog- technological purchases, my gizmo, look at my new, my new toy, my new gadget. Uh, occupational advancements, new job, new title, list goes on. You know, that's not what the passage says. It says your real, 
some of us are real good about talking about ourselves. God is saying, when are you going to talk about me? When are you going to tell people how great I am? When are you going to start telling people how wonderful I am? When are you going to tell people how excellent I am? We're, we're good at talking about other people's excellence. You know, our favorite sports teams and, and the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup. We'll talk all day about the Blackhawks. Well, crickets when it comes to God. You know, start talking about God. He's never lost, by the way. He always wins. How about those Cubs beating up on the Sox again? Woo! Yeah, you'll talk all day about that. When are you going to start talking about God and the victories God has given, the things God has done? When are you going to start bragging on God? Something else we easily proclaim, our grievances. I want you to understand the passage says, proclaim, not complain. Do you see that? Proclaim the excellencies of him. And we complain about so much. We complain about how hard life is. We complain about how unfair life is. We complain about how rotten this world is. Some of you complained about stuff when you came into church. I don't like the music. Who's in my seat? What's up with the temperature? Oh, shut up. (laughs) What's your problem? That's not what the word of God says. It says proclaim his excellencies. Not complain about your likes and dislikes and what you think is right and wrong. How unfair life is. Let's start talking about how glorious our God is. Stop complaining about people. Bad mouth other Christians. Gossip and slander co-workers. Neighbors. Relatives. You whine and you gossip and you complain and you bellyache. And then you say you're a Christian. No wonder nobody wants to listen to you. No wonder nobody wants to know about your God. There's a lot of Christians walking around looking like they've been sucking on lemons all day. You know the face. There's a little boy. Don't you want to follow his God? (laughs) And that little boy sadly becomes a young man still sucking on lemons. And that young man becomes a grumpy old man. He's in every church, I guarantee you. And by the way, his pet is even effective. (laughs) Grumpy cat. We need to start bragging on our God and how good he is. Excellencies, it means virtues, means eminent qualities. What makes him praiseworthy? Why is he so incredible and exceptional? Maybe start with his creation. Oh my goodness, just look around you. I saw that rainbow in the sky yesterday. Picture of a sunrise at the Jersey Shore. God, how good is God painting the sky like that? Psalm 19, 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. We need to be like that sunrise. Every morning, get up and start proclaiming the glory of God. You need to be God's sunrise. Every morning, proclaiming his glory. The heavens are are excellent. His creatures are excellent. Nehemiah 9, 6. You alone are the Lord. You've made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas. And all that is in them, you give life to all of them. One of my favorite little places is Strathmere, New Jersey. It's a sleepy little seashore town. And at low tide, there's sandbars and there's tidal pools. And we've been taking our kids there and friends for the last 20 years. It's also where I asked Carla to marry me. And then I begged her and begged her. (laughs) As we watched the sunrise at Strathmere. 
took the kids there again this year, and uh, here's a picture of my youngest son, Dawson, holding up a horseshoe crab, huge one. And just an incredible animal is what that crab is. Do you realize the blood of the horseshoe crab is $60,000 a gallon? It's a $50 million industry every year. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration requires every medical equipment, piece of equipment, and intravenous drug coming in contact with the body to first pass through this crab's blue blood. From needles to surgical implants to including pacemakers because its blood reveals toxins and bacteria which otherwise would completely avoid detection. As a result, thousands of people survive every year because of the blood of this crab. Oh, God's creation is excellent. Picture of a hermit crab traveling in style in a whelk shell. He was just too cool to pass up. And that's a good-sized shell. That's a good-sized crab just out in the wild. Tiny handful of, or a handful of tiny clams by the tens of thousands. Just a whole huge area just scooped them up. Incredible. And then... For the second time in my life, not since I was a little boy, I found a seahorse. Just right along the shore in one of the tidal pools, I picked him up. And he was still alive, and you watch him squiggle in my hand. Had the kids hold him. Just incredible, the creation of God. I had somebody tell me, oh, I thought they were mythological. No, they're not. <laughs> You're getting that confused with the unicorn, okay? <laughs> they, they are real. That is a creature of God. Man, is God excellent. The heavens declare his excellence. His creatures declare his excellence. His character declares his excellence. Just the character quality of love. So amazing. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 10. For God is love. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He took our place on that cross. That's how much he loves you. God's love is beyond measure, Ephesians 3.18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ, which what? It surpasses not. You, you cannot fathom how great God's love is for you. It's incredible. God loves us every single day. And, and though we may feel about other people this way, we'll never read this in our Bible. I love this. I love you more than yesterday. Yesterday, you were on my nerves. <laughs> anyway, God's love never ends. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Say this last part with me. For his loving kindness is everlasting. If you go to Psalm 136, there are 26 verses. Every single verse ends with that refrain. For his loving kindness is everlasting. For his loving kindness is everlasting. For his loving... God wants us to know he is never going to stop loving you. No matter what you've done. No matter where you've gone. No matter what you've said. He is never going to stop loving you. Ever. His love is everlasting. Man, is he excellent. Declare the excellencies of God. Brag on God and how good God is. And, and Jeremiah even tells us, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and that he knows. Tell people you know God. Not how rich you are, not how strong you are, not how smart you are. Start telling them about your God. About his love, that he exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness. This is your God. Tell others about this God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 is a great reminder, verse 26 to 31. Consider your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God has chosen the what? The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God's chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. The base things of the world, the despised God has chosen, the things that are not so that he might nullify the things that are so that, say it with me, no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, say it with me, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And with God, we never run out of things to boast about. We never run out of things to brag about when it comes to God. Job 5.9, who does great and unsearchable things, wonders, without number. Psalm 45, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonders which you've done, your thoughts toward us. There's none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Speak up and speak out. You'll never run out of things to declare the excellencies of God. You have a platform of privilege. God is nothing short of awesome. Speak up and speak out because you now see the light. Look at verse 9. Proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was blind, but what? Now I see. We used to live in the darkness, and he's called us out of it. This is so beautiful. We would have never come out of darkness except by the grace of God calling us. He took pity on us. Romans 3.11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. If you have come to God, it is because God called you. If you have come to faith in Jesus, it is because he has graciously whispered your name and called to you. He's called to you and said, I love you. I'll save you. I'll forgive you. I'll give meaning and purpose to your life. He called me. He called you. And for some of you here today, listen carefully. He is calling you. You've not come to faith yet. And he's telling you how much he loves you. His love is incredible. He's saying, I have mercy for you. I'll save you. He's calling you. Respond to his call. And trust him as your savior. And at the end of the service, as I always do, I'll I'll lead you in a word of prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith in God. Call out to him and let him save you. We were in the dark. He's called us out of darkness. Dark, lonely, confusing. Wandering aimlessly. No real purpose or meaning in life. Tripping over bad decision after bad decision. Not being able to see our way through this life. Hitting wall after wall of regret and sin and shame. Intellectual darkness is where we were. Ignorant of the truth. Foolish in our reasonings. Plain dumb in our decisions. Moral darkness is where we were. This deep, dark dungeon of moral filth and sin where no light penetrated. You know what the darkness looked like? Ephesians 2, 3, and 12. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, having no hope and without God in this world. That's where we were. Don't go back to the darkness. Don't go back there. 
Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Is that not what we see today? And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality to practice every kind of impurity with greediness. That's the world in which we live. The more sin, the better. The more vulgar sin, the better. More, more vulgar, vulgar, depraved, debauchery everywhere we look. And parading it in front of our eyes. That's the world in which we live. The filth that is all around us. God says, don't go back there. But tell them how they can get out of it. Speak up. Speak out. And walk in the light. Ephesians 5. You were formerly darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's where we need to be. Doing what is good and what is righteous and what is true. And seeking to please the Lord, not people, but pleasing our God. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Marvelous, amazing, stunning, spectacular. This is a picture of a sunrise on Cadillac Mountain in Acadia National Park. Cadillac Mountain is the first place the sun hits in the United States of America. So at 518, we got our kids up at 4 or 4.30. They were thrilled. We made our way up to the top of Cadillac Mountain because Dad had to see the light. Oh, someday they'll be grateful, right? So be it. What a difference light makes, huh? What a difference light makes. Two words for you. Chicago winter. Think about it. Oh, by the way, it's coming. Aren't you thrilled? (laughs) Week after week of cold, dark, bitter, shivering days. Chicago winter. And then the sun finally comes out. Oh, what a difference the sun makes. What a difference Jesus makes. What a difference Jesus makes to our cold, dark, shivering souls. What a difference Jesus makes. John 8, 12, he spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a difference Jesus makes. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who, who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in, your heart, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a difference the light makes. What a difference Jesus makes. Speak up and speak out. This world needs Jesus. This world desperately needs the light of God. Speak up and speak out. You have a platform of privilege. God is nothing short of awesome. You see the light. Speak up and speak out. Fourthly, because now you belong. You belong. You didn't belong, now you belong. Look at verse 10. You once were not a people, now you are the people of God. There was a time you did not belong to God. Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You didn't belong to God, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. You belong to the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, you belong to the evil one, the deceiver of our souls, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's where we were. But now we are the people of God. 
Same thought as earlier in the passage in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a people for God's own possession. He calls you his own. He claims you as his own. You know, sometimes my children have a hard time claiming me as their own. You know how teenagers are. See, I, I, when they were little, couldn't get enough of that. Oh, man, they're there and they're hugging. They want to be with you. And then they become teenagers. Like, who's that guy? I don't know. <laughs> they, they don't, you know. I want you to understand this. God will never treat you like that. He will always claim you as his own. You're his child. No matter the sin, no matter what you've done, no matter where you went, no matter what you said, God will continue to claim you as his own. That's how much he loves you. Don't, don't listen to the lie of the enemy who says God is done with you. He's not done with you. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is not done with you. Philippians 3.18, many walk of whom I often told you, now tell you even weeping, they're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. But look at verse 20. 